welcome everyone to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. I am with one of my favorite all-time writers, M.L. Matthew Buckman. Matt Buckman and I met, we can't even figure it out, seven or eight years ago. At least. A long time ago. But I was reading his books before then. Um, Matt writes romantic suspense and strong female characters in every single one of his books. So he's got over 70 books. I've, I think guys, there's two I haven't read. He just told me about, but <laughs> we're going to get to them. my favorite series right now. Um, my favorite series right now is the Miranda Chase series. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you. Oh, thank you. I, I love it when we get a chance to talk. Um, I, I would you like you to please, because you say it better than anybody else, after all, you're Miranda Chase's creator. Tell us a little bit about who Miranda Chase is and what her job is. Miranda is the best air crash investigator in the National Transportation Safety Board, which is a real live. They're the people who go out and look at air crashes. And I always wanted to be a pilot. So this is a chance to indulge my dream of having been a pilot that I never got to really realize. But um, she's very curious. She's a she's a piece of my brain in that she's incredibly focused and understands what's in front of her. But she's autistic, so she doesn't understand anything else. The whole rest of the world is a mystery. She has made her life and her brain about investigating and understanding air crashes. And so she's actually had to export pieces of her brain to her team around her. The one who's good with people, the one who's good with strategy, the one who's good with understanding the political implications, because all she sees is the plane crash. And so it gave me a chance to really delve into an unreliable narrator. She isn't aware of so much of her, the world that's around her and to delve into how is she not ungifted, not handicapped, but rather other gifted. And as I was researching this and researching a lot of autistics, um, there's an ability to be very other gifted that isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just not neurotypical. It's not what we've decided is down the center. So Miranda lives in this center realm that just fascinates me. That's her own view of the world. And it lets me go off in interesting ways and explore what happens when you look at the world and you don't understand what people are thinking at all. I mean, not like we don't understand each other generally, but she really doesn't. She can't understand emotion including her own. And I it find just, it very, she, she doesn't understand facial expressions either. So she actually has a little notebook she keeps with kind of emojis that one of her team members has drawn for her to kind of let her know what they are. That in itself is, is a very smart thing to do. So, you know, she, cause she's trying hard to understand, even though it's completely foreign to her when people make a joke, she doesn't understand it. Or if they're sarcastic, right. she doesn't understand it, but, but she's such, there's such raw honesty from her as a character. And so that I don't, she could not be deceptive no matter what. 
She just couldn't. Yeah. So, so she may be an unreliable narrator, but she's not an unreliable participant in a conversation. She or absolutely, an, yeah, or an unreliable witness, right? Because she sees everything. She everything. remembers everything. Yes. She yes, just yes, doesn't yes. understand its implications. So, um, of course, which, which I got from reading about real autistics. I mean, they need the emojis to even understand happiness versus sadness. Right. And this most recent book of yours um, was a huge change in Miranda's world. Um, and you said, of ways. Know, yeah, in a couple of ways, but I want to back up a little bit because you just said she's the best crash inv investigator in the national transportation safety board. But the fact is she almost is, internationally one of the best um because it, she goes at the <laughs> i don't want to give away too much on this but for example she calls the president of the united states by his first name and the joint jesus well, he asked he asked her to and, and, and <laughs> she took it at face value there's, there's, yeah. there's no subterfuge there but but she goes to locations around the world and her imat her just brilliance she knows the names of all the airports and all the military airports, and it just comes to her, and it's always surprising to people. So this book, you really put her through the ringer. I did, and there there's some reasons I did that. Um, the first, I tend to think of this series in quartets, and this is... The 12th book, in a way, it's the 11th, because number nine was a collection of six origin stories. So the first quartet was like, let's figure out the world and have each person deal with their past. So if you actually read through them with that in mind, the first four are about past issues in current crises. The middle four, um, Raider through White Top, are about the present tense. So what are their current issues evolving, changing relationships, changing work structures, um, very day-to-day -day focused. And this, the last group, with one more to come this summer, is really focused on where are they going? Where are they heading? And sometimes to head forward, you have to crash the past. You have to let go of that past rather than wallowing in it. The first four books, they're wallowing in the past. Yes, all of them are. They all come all, of, all four of them, all 14 they, they, members. Yeah, they, they come with their own set of, of issues. And it is amazing how, without her even realizing it, she's created this team slash family. They just, <laughs> they feel very protective of her, but she also feels protective of them, even though, I don't think she knows that she's protective of them. Right. right. So I, I just, it's amazing. I have to tell the audience that Matt has always gifted me with um, an early reader's review. And it is the, I could be reading five books at once and I put everything down and I sit down <laughs> and I read that book and I read with the head of our book review group too, because we're both, um, Miranda Chase and, of course, Matt Buckman fans. And then we have a text thing going on for about two hours talking about all the things that happened. Um, so 
it is probably my most anticipated book anytime I know it's coming out. That is to tell you, you guys know I read a lot of books and I read across genre. These are techno thrillers, really, in, in the most unique way. And I promise you that if you get addicted to them, you won't stop. Now, I also want you to know that Matt created a card game based on the Miranda Chase books because one of her team members started putting together types of airplanes or aircraft and relating it to each member of the team. Like, okay, you're a Boeing 707, you're a this and that and that, but, but all fancy craft. And so through a computer <laughs> program, Matt created this game called The Great Chase, and I actually have it. I wish I could show it to you, but I'm going to take a picture and put it on my Facebook page. And um, I don't want to open it. I won't unseal it because it's like a collector's item to me. So <laughs> it's my main bookcase. Thank you, Matt. Is you the card game still available? It's still available from my website. Good. Um, go to thegreatchasewithhyphens.com um, or just to mlbuckman.com and it's there. Uh, we're hoping to get distribution up on Barnes and Noble and Amazon this summer. Man. And it was a long process because you got stuck oh, in the in the oh, pandemic yeah. slowdown of everything. Actually, it was my pandemic project. It was your uh, pandemic project. Yeah, so I started working on it early in the pandemic because Mike had created the concept of the game. Right. In the and it wasn't my doing; it was character doing. He's. I don't even remember exactly which book, but there's one point where they need to cross half the globe very quickly. And so they get a ride on a luxury poker plane. Right. And Mike is a card sharp, which I didn't know until that book. Until that book, right. And so he starts fooling around with the cards and he starts naming who people are. And right. then Jer in the next book, Jeremy ran with the idea and started re pasting a deck and I decided, Hey, I want to play this game because he was turning it into a game. And so I had to develop the game. It's so meta. I had it, to develop really the is. game based on the character. So you get to play the being the character in the game that they created inside the book that came out of my head. I, I, you know, of course, all, all things Buckman have to be on my bookshelf. So this is in my main <laughs> pardon me, in my living room. So I always can look up and see the unique things that authors either do or send me or whatever. So thank you for that. Um, you also have, because you don't have enough on your plate writing short stories all the time, and you know, it's, you've got over 70 books, you write three or four a year. Um, by the way, my, the Night Stalker series was one of my favorite when I first started reading your stuff. I love those books. Uh, all too. of them. All of them. If, if I could great, create another you know, Emily Beale. Oh, yeah. my God. Great <laughs> female leads. The characters are strong. There's no wishy-washy anywhere. And even in the peripheral female characters, they there's, you know, like our the darling head of the CIA, uh, no wishy-washy females in these books. So in the nope. Miranda Chase book. But you have decided since there's not enough going on in your life and you have 24 hours, why not live them working? You've started a quarterly magazine. Can you tell us about it? Yeah. Um, it came out of a, a couple of things. 
I've for eight years, I've written a story every month and given it away to the fans. And after 125 stories, my brain was, it just, it wanted to change. It wanted something other than this monthly clock ticking away going, oh, it's the 14th. Have you finished your story yet? Um, and I wanted to, I was starting, I had shifted from military romantic suspense out of contemporary romance um, over to thrillers. Well, I love short fiction, but thriller short fiction is hard because you have to build the character and the tension and the crisis and the stakes and the resolution in under 10,000 words. I mean, right. it's, a, it's a crazy challenge. And so I've managed to write a couple, but it's not a craft I'm comfortable with. After a hundred plus romance short stories, I can, I know how they work. I love them. They're fun. They're like eating cotton candy. Thriller is tough. And so I thought, how am I going to learn and promote being a thriller author? And I came up with the idea of, well, there are no thriller magazines out there. None, zero, goose egg. Um, so why not start one? And then I get to learn from the best short story writers in the business, assuming I can convince them to submit stories to me. And oh my God, I got amazing sets of stories. So I ended up with 45 stories by 30 authors from five countries. We wow. put together the first four issues. We kickstarted it. Kickstarter ends to, uh, tonight when we're recording this. And, um, we go live on the Equinox. They mm -hmm. release on the Equinox and the Solstice, four themed issues every year. Um, Amazing. And it gave me a chance to edit, which I love to do. Uh, I don't do it for hire. I don't want to do it for hire. But no, to no. take these wonderful short stories and go, hey, did you think about this? Because the author can never see the forest for the trees. Right. I can't in my own work. Right. And so I themed them. We've got honor, unlikely partners, no Western white males is what is the third issue. Because if you think about thrillers, you think about Jack Reacher, Dirk Pitt, Doc Savage, right. James sure. Bond. And it's like, no, no, no. There's a whole issue with no Western white male heroes. And then betrayal is the last one, which is the flip of honor. And uh, it's just been a blast. It's been consuming, <laughs> but, um, We'll see what happens. It sounds like fun. Now, um, you have the Kickstarter ends tonight, but um, are listeners able to subscribe at some the, point? The issues will go on sale on the equinoxes and solstices. Okay. Um, I'm not sure about the ability to subscribe yet. I'm still working on that. Right. I'll have an answer in another couple of days. That's the way this whole process has been running. It's like, oh, no, I can't deal with that today. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they will definitely be available for sale. Okay. And I then... want to talk to you a little bit about some of your things that you've done. Now, I don't think most people understand that you traveled almost entirely by bicycle, except when you had to connect, you know, go over water. You traveled around the world. You Was this another one of you know, one of those harebrained ideas, you said, oh, I think I'll get on a bicycle and I'll just travel around the world for kicks and grins. 
No, it was my midlife crisis on wheels. <laughs> um, that's the name of the book. I wrote about it. <laughs> and what happened was I got spit out by corporate America really hard, really hard to the point where I did not know what to do with myself. I sat for four months going, I don't know what to do. And um, I'd been riding my bike a lot and doing longer and longer trips up to three weeks. And suddenly one day it just struck me, hey, I could just sell everything and go around the world. And so without a very clear plan, I did exactly that sold the house I'd spent seven years remodeling for the family. I never had time to find because I was a workaholic and basically sold everything except my kitchen and my library and set off around the world. And I thought I was going to be out for four years, ended up out for 18 months, covered 11,000 miles, 15 countries. Wow. It was crazy. And I what came. What was your favorite stop at the time? My there are two really favorite spots are the middle of the Australian outback. I came around a corner of the bush and for some reason, this one acre had gone into full wildflower bloom. Wow. Just awe-inspiring colors in the wow. middle of the rust red bush. Wow. Uh, and the other one was oddly enough, a small Indonesian town that had been hit by a tsunami right. and they had been, a third of the population had died in 10 minutes. Oh my gosh. And they were just rebuilding. It had been like eight months earlier. And I didn't even understand what had happened at first. But the thing was, I asked somebody, was I pronouncing a word in Indonesian correctly in Bahasa? And he said, well, yes, but say it this way and it means this, say it this way and it means this. And we ended up spending three hours talking about culture and what had happened there and how, wow. what the reaction was to it. And I, the next little town I went to was exactly what you'd expect from a dirty third world on the edge town. But that one place in that one moment of its history understood completely that the most important thing was another person. And that setting aside work, setting aside anything else to share with a person for a moment was the best thing you could do with your life. Absolutely. I I understand that Tra traveling expands your brain and oh. your capacity in your brain and the the you it almost is if you're smart it's humbling uh yeah. because because Very. you know if you're smart it's humbling and you realize that uh, you are not all that compared to the rest of the world. So you are just a very teeny little drop of sand in this big, 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 big sand lot. So I understand that. As a matter of fact, my brother and his wife are traveling through Asia right now. And the last I heard he was in Vietnam. Uh, he'd been to Bali and Singapore already. I know he's going to Indonesia and to Thailand, which is someplace I'd like to go one day. Mm -hmm. I've not gone to the East. I, I would love to. Um, Let's talk about some of the funny things about you that you always post on your website. So, <laughs> so it cracks me up because you have, um, <laughs> you you have all the things that you've done that have nothing to do with what you went to school for. So, what right. is your full name? 
Matthew Lieber Buckman. Which and what does that mean when it's it, translated? Matthew Beloved Bookman. So, so how why it took me till I was 35 to start writing, I have no idea. <laughs> it, I, you know, I had been thinking about this and thinking about this. If anyone was born to write books, it was you. I, it, you were named to write books. I was. So, so, you know, whatever happened before in the corporate nonsense that spit you out really is not important because you're writing books. You were you're supposed to be. Um, I think a lot of people will be interested in what your degree is. It's probably the only thing I've never done, which is geophysics. Now, <laughs> from a I liberal arts college. I think I'm fairly smart, but I have no idea what geophysics is. Would you care to explain that? <laughs> um, the aspect of what I was doing, geology is study, study of the earth. Right. With geophysics, they were developing techniques. They have developed techniques where you can do things like remote sense what's going on underground. Right. And that's what I did was I went along the surface measuring this, the changes of the field of gravity. And then I use computer models to model the shape of the rock underneath the ground um, using computers in 1980. So, uh, but it's that, it's that taking the principles of physics and pushing them into the geology. So for things like remote sensing, which we now see in the news all the time, you know, they're um, geomagnetic mapping or right. mapping of the salt domes for oil drilling or right. back then so, it was much rarer. When you went to school and decided to get a degree in geophysics, what had you hoped you would be doing? Had you thought, wow, this is really something cool. No one is doing this. Certainly I am going to find a job in a New York minute and make tons of smack. It didn't happen like that, did it? Oddly, a little bit like Miranda, I live very much in the present. I'm not real good about thinking ahead. <laughs> so the reason I went into college for physics was because I really liked my physics teacher in high school. Wow. And I was really intrigued by physics. And it, I liked the way it works and the math behind it. It turned out that I was not good at calculus because I can't reach out and touch it. And you kind of need the calculus to do the physics. See, um, I don't understand any of that. So I'm glad that that's not what you do for living because so if, I had to if I had to interview you about it, you know, I'd probably have drool coming out the side of my mouth. I just would not <laughs> understand any of it. Um, <laughs> so what happened also, was kind of, kind of accidental. I was failing out of physics and I took a geology 101 class. I could put my hands on it. You right. can walk up to the rock. You can bang it with a hammer. Right. You can measure it with a compass. It's like, I get this. It's real. Right. Right. And, but I went to school in Maine where the rocks are 600 million years old and wow. have been beat to death by yeah. ge geologic phenomena. So they were kind of this mush once I got into them being able to project what they were doing underground took me back into that in early love of physics and how things worked and why they worked that way without having to be able to memorize the 800 little minerals I was seeing. 
I want to come back around and talk about the Miranda Chase books and all the aviation fiction and thrillers that you've written, because generally most of your books do revolve a lot around helicopters and airplanes. Um, Your books are incredibly detailed down to how fast an engine is spinning, how much sound it's making, everything. It is so highly detailed that I believe anybody who is a military pilot of either planes or helicopters or a manufacturer could easily say, oh my God, this guy should come work for us. How do, <laughs> how can you, and how do you, and why do you give that much detail in a book? It's, it's tricky. Um, I, first of all, it's research. It's pure research. Um, I will spend hours trying to figure out how thick the door of a Blackhawk helicopter is. Because at some point, that soldier is going to reach out and slide the thing shut. Is it light? Is it heavy? How much protection does it give them? So I've taken all that. And then I go, what's the salient fact that's going to make this feel real to the reader? And part of that feeling real is you have to be so far in the character's head. They live in this world. They live in a world of these engines and these machines and these guns and weapons that I've never fired. Yeah, parts, Um, bears, and avionics, they're in there. Yeah. But I have to tell you, as your average reader, and I am considered an average reader, you could lie to me and I'd never know the difference. Yes. And I could tell you that there was a safety on a Glock. Well, that I know. But but every person, right, but every firearm... Right. Would heave the book against the wall. Exactly. And what I've gotten now is I have military fans who tell me, you got it close enough. I got it close enough that I didn't knock them out of the book. Oh, good. I'm glad. And I have Night Stalker fans. I have, I actually know for a fact, I have Delta Force fans um, through a two-tier connection. I, I never quite connected up with the Delta Force people, but... Um, I get these emails from former pilots of C5 galaxies and they, they say, Hey, you got this and this fix that right there. And it's like, great. Thank you. Um, uh, so you really, have, so it, it's for realism. Have Miranda's brain. In other words, now, because of all of your research, you, yeah, you, except she doesn't forget are... anything. I have to look it up every time. <laughs> This is Dear Diary. Today I learned about, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Matt, um, what can we expect from you over the next couple of months? What's happening with you? And what can readers look forward to? Well, the, the first fun one is um, end of this month, February 28th. 28? Yes, on the 28th. Mm-hmm. Nightwatch will be releasing, which is Miranda Chase number 12. And the Nightwatch... Uh, is fascinating plane. There are four of them, and they're called the Doomsday Planes. They're, oh, that's right. I remember this part. Yep. Yeah, they're basically Air Force One with none of the pretty. Right. They are. They they can command and control everything from the air in yep. the event that the president or, or and executive people have to evacuate. Yeah. So so in case of a, a disaster, you know, they're well. They're, no, this 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 won't evacuate anybody except the top command level. Right. Right. 
like the chairman of the Joint Chiefs and the president. Right. It's not about evacuation. It's about who needs to be in command and safely airborne. Right. Because you've mentioned this in previous books, kind of alluded to it. So, um, and I think the last book, it was very interesting because there was one of those planes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've got Miranda. We've got Miranda Miranda, coming out. Right. Miranda's coming out end of this month. Um, Hopefully, if I get my act together, three months after that, we'll have another Miranda, uh, tentatively titled Poseidon. And each each of the names of the books are the name of the air, key aircraft in the book. And that's another fun plane that's related to the Night Watch. Then, so Poseidon actually really relates to the sea, doesn't it? The Poseidon? It, the, the god of the sea. Uh-huh. But it's also a uh, surveillance very high-end surveillance aircraft. Okay. And will we continue to see who I consider the questionable allies and Clarissa oh, yeah. and all of well, they'll they'll continue to be in the space, correct? Oh yes. Yeah, I it's a it's a continuation of the same world. Each one of these stands alone completely. Right. But is an evolution of the book before it. I'm, and, I'm very excited to hear all the books that are coming out and to, you have two foodie books come, you have two foodie books that you're re-releasing. They're, uh, they're available now. My dead chef series. Okay. Um, one chef, two chef came out a while ago and they've, I just did a big revision on them and re-released them uh, very quietly because this fall and winter, I'm hoping to write head chef, dead chef. My wife came up with the titles. I love um, it. I'll be there. I'm going to Amazon. (laughs) Yeah. They're a total romp. They're, um, they're foodie thrillers, just like these are political techno thrillers. It's like, no, I need to go light. My brain needs a break. Needs a break. So, and then I have four new short stories. Instead of having one a month, I have a new short story in each one of the issues of Thrill Ride, the magazine. Oh, good. So there's a Miranda Chase story. There's a Miranda Chase meets Emily Beale meets Kate Stark story. Oh my God. Three different universes, but Boy, I decided to cross them. Um, and then uh, two more after that, one of which is a character test for a new series. Fantastic. So, Matt, tell I, everyone, I, I where, where, is the, where is the best place for us to find all about you and your worlds that you're creating and the card game and the the thrill magazine and everything where's everything in one place everything is ml buckman that's b-u-c-h-m-a-n.com it's also ml buckman on facebook it's ml buckman on twitter if you search on m space l space buckman in amazon you get me if you do it on google you get me so um okay but Thank yeah, mlbuckman.com is is my home hive. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, you know, I'm so thrilled that we have a chance to talk to each other again. It's been a long time. And even though we email back and forth once in a while, I, I really enjoy the fact that we're getting a chance to talk. Thank you for being here. Will you come back one day? Anytime. Anytime. By the way, whose books are you reading or do you even have time to read anybody's books? A lot of what I read is research. Uh-huh, um, as much. I've been, I mean, a lot. I just finished um, The End of the World is Just the Beginning by Peter Zihan. 
I'm, I need to look at my phone to see what I'm reading right now. It's <laughs> called uh, Great Circle, which is uh, by Maggie Ships, Shipstein. And it's about, um, it's a fictionalized version of uh, Amelia Earhart. Interesting. But Interesting. also a modern day pilot who decides to recreate the flight and all of their personal issues. I also read a lot of Neil Stevenson lately. Um, I would love to grow up to be Neil Stevenson. He, he, every world is different. Every book is its own amazing 800 page bizarre world. And I so admire that. Okay. Well, listen, I admire you. There, there are <laughs> legions of fans of yours here and uh, especially throughout our network. Thank you again. I, I completely appreciate it. And, you know, after your first cycle of the Thriller magazine comes out, let's talk again. Okay. Sounds okay? good. And I want to thank you listeners for being with me today. I, I appreciate you hanging around. And um, if you want to find out more about us, we're on Facebook at Authors on the Air or um, Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. There are 25 hosts in this network with a variety of genres they interview in. Um, our podcasts and vodcasts are available in 153 countries. And if you want to go to our archive of all the interviews, you can just go to authorsontheair.com. It takes you to our SoundCloud page. I hope you all have a nice weekend or a nice week and enjoy your is it yesterday was the day off? Enjoy the four-day week. Thanks for listening, everybody, and thank you, Mom and Dad. Take care. See you later. Bye.